Hello and welcome to Such Sights to See, the podcast about journeying through cinema with my good friend. My normal co-host is not here today, but I have someone even better, and my even better friend, Ed. Ed, how are you doing today? Good morning. I'm good. How are you? I am great. I am great. I am so happy you're here because we can talk about one of my favorite events of the year, the Exhume Films 24-Hour Horrorathon, which you've been coming to, uh, I don't know how many years with me, a long time. I think this is my seventh Horrorathon, so I'm also very excited to talk about it. So thank you for, for having me. Yeah, no problem, no problem. So well, let's talk about some other movies first before we get into the meat of the episode. Um, I'm going to talk about a movie that I think you'll find interesting. Stolen Summer. Did you ever see Project Greenlight? Yes, yeah, I did. The uh, first season of Project Greenlight, the movie, the TV show by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, they had a contest to hire, to find a writer-director and give them a million dollars to make their movie. And they found someone... Through this contest, uh, Pete Jones, who directed a, his script called Stolen Summer, and the show was like a train wreck. Um, and I thought it would be fitting to watch that movie during Horror Movie Month because it looked like it was going to be horrible. And <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was. It's. I don't know where a million dollars went for this movie. I admire the guy for writing and making a movie, but, man, that, it seems like poor choices were made throughout that entire season while they were making this movie. And it shows up on screen for sure. Yeah. It's so disappointing too. Cause there, there were so many cool ideas about that mm-hmm. show. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I never checked that movie out. Interesting. Yeah. Don't check it out. Um, but there's, <laughs> there's the four seasons apparently. I don't know if you've seen uh, any of the other ones. One of them's a horror movie. That I saw the horror out. movie season. I think that was season three, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm going through them in order now. So I watched season one, and then I'll, I watched the first movie. Now I'll go on to season two, and we'll see how that goes. Hopefully better than the first one. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just it's just interesting to get a behind-the-scenes process, especially at like a, like a studio, um, a hated studio nowadays <laughs> with Harvey Weinstein right. in charge. But, you know, it's just interesting, interesting show. Um, then I watched a, a horror movie that – I hope you've seen, so we can talk about it, Barbarian. I have not seen it yet. I almost watched it last night and just didn't have the bandwidth. Oh, no, yeah, no problem. Well, I won't talk much about it. I will just say that don't watch any trailers. Don't read about it. It's one of those movies that's just fun to go in and watch. It plays with your expectations. It has lots of fun. And not only that, but the direction by Zach Krager is – Really well done. He's got like really good horror chops for sure. So it's not just a, a movie with a crazy script. It's a solid horror movie. So recommended. I'm so so excited to watch it. I just uh, gotta find time away from the kids and yeah. uh, and just hunker <laughs> down. Um, well, one thing I did do, which I would have invited you to if you were anywhere near me, was we did a a uh, another dome fest. I don't know if I told you about these where we uh, do like a mini festival at, at my house. Mm-hmm. So this was our, our Halloween one. And I wanted you to let you know what my lineup was. Tell me what you thought. It was Deep Red, yeah, Evil Dead good. 2, followed by Malignant. Oh, awesome. Excellent. Excellent. I, I'll, well, I haven't seen Malignant yet either. Um, okay. But the first two, Deep Red and Evil Dead 2, that's got to get everybody 
going pretty good. Yeah, Deep Red is uh, Argento, and I, it's the only one I haven't seen. And it's more of a mystery than a horror, to be honest. But it it was the uncut version, which probably ran a little long at two hours. There's like a, a ninety minute version out there, but it's it's really solid, like mystery thriller slasher. It only has like three three murders, maybe, but they're really cool ones. <laughs> yeah. And Evil Dead 2 is a classic. And same thing with Barbarian is with Malignant. Just go watch it. Don't read anything about it. Okay. It's such a solid horror movie. And James Wan, you know, is a really great director. So, yeah. So, how about you? Have you seen anything interesting? Um, I don't know about interesting, but uh, <laughs> but this is where this is like where I am. So, um, coming off of Horathon, um, I did. I had this. Uh, urge to watch some other things that I haven't seen in a while because you know you see such interesting kind of strange movies. I pulled yeah. from since we weren't able to make last year's horathon. I just I pulled a movie from last year's horathon and watched Ooh. it. Um, it's called Death Game uh, from 1977, I believe. Um, I I won't tell you a whole lot about it except for that it's um it's basically a person trapped in a place. So I think you might like that. <laughs> okay. Um, sort of. Uh, it, it's it's just a rich, wealthy businessman who's at home, and two uh, young women uh, are on the road and stranded, and they they need help. Um, so he tries to help them out, and it just kind of doesn't go the way that he thinks. Um, so it's an interesting movie. Not great. But uh, but I could see how that fits into the horathon lineup. Um, Did you um? So I remember the clue at the horathon. For those who don't know, the Exum Films crew gives clues as to what movies are going to play during the show. They don't tell you what they are until we see them on the screen. So I remember the clue was a remake or the original movie that was recently remade as a controversial horror movie, and yeah. I saw the remake. It was um. Oh, Eli Roth, right? Yeah. 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 Keanu, Keanu Reeves, Reeves. I think. Yep. So I saw that and it wasn't very good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. That's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I, never, I never watched watch that Knock next. Knock. Yeah. Compare them. <laughs> I, okay. I, I kind of wanted to go back and watch it because it's such a like cool little concept and it's got Keanu Reeves in it. And I feel like, I don't know. I feel like maybe I didn't give it enough justice when I first watched it, but I don't know. Maybe there's too many movies out there to go back and rewatch stuff that I wasn't too keen on to begin with. <laughs> yeah, well, now that you mentioned it, I think Knock Knock, that was the general consensus is that it was, mm-hmm. you know, it was not a, it wasn't great. And it wasn't mm-hmm. even a great remake of a movie that was also not very good. So, right, right. Um, so the second movie that I want to talk about, and I only have two, is, um, you know, leading up to Halloween, I, w- I was encouraged to watch something. Um, but I have, I have young kids and, uh, my son who is, uh, eight, he's almost nine, um, trying to figure out what's like, what's in his wheelhouse. It's not too scary. Yeah. He's intrigued by a lot of things, but he, he's a little too tentative on certain stuff. Like poltergeist, for instance, was a little too outside of his league. So we chose, uh, yeah. um, we, we, we hit a real kind of middle, middle ground kind of movie and we watched gremlins, which I know oh, could be arguably nice. a Christmas movie, but you know, yeah. it's, it's got some creepy creature feature stuff. Um, so yeah, I have Joe Dante's 1984, uh, Gremlins. So, so how, was he scared at that? Cause I remember being scared when I was a kid. You know, I checked in on him quite a few times. Um, and he said, no, he was not scared. He says, it's kind of, it's kind of gross. 
but mm-hmm. it was not, he didn't find it scary. Now, that being said, I, I happened to, <laughs> to fast forward through the, the most co- uncomfortable conversation, you know, for, so Phoebe, Phoebe Cates has that, that oh, long yes. conversation about her, <laughs> about suicide for one. There's one conversation. Yeah. There's another one about um, Santa Claus and her father. And That's so the I one I remember. Both yeah. Of those. yeah, they're really kind of terrifying little, mm-hmm. little, little parts of the movie. So skip mm-hmm. those. Good, good choice. Yeah, I remember <laughs> watching it when a kid, when I was a kid, being scared. But it was kind of like a perennial favorite. I love that movie. Able to watch it all the time. And yeah, it's definitely a ha- Halloween or a Christmas movie. It works both ways. Yeah, it it holds up. I mean, the creature features are amazing. He he kept asking me, he's like. How is this not CGI? They can do this for real. <laughs> yes. Did you yeah. ever see the behind the scenes of that movie where they, the animatronics were actually like three times as big as they are on the screen? They made like giant oh, animatronics, no. so they no, were, I need to watch that. Yeah, they were much bigger than you'd think, so that I guess they would read much better on the screen when you'd see them. So, well, they were actual size ones, but then they had really giant ones to get like the the facial expressions. That yeah, makes really sense. Cool. Oh, neat. Yeah, there's Fun stuff movie. like that's just lost. Um, well, speaking of practical effects, I watched four movies in 3D in the theater this this week. Oh, you went to the 3D show? <laughs> I did. And I also went to a 3D movie that was re-released in the theaters with another friend. So they re-released Dawn of the Dead, the original Dawn of the Dead in the theaters this week. No. Yeah. Uh, so they re-released it in some you know remastered 3d version and it was it was very good um the 3d was fine but the movie itself was just great to see in the theater it's a really amazing movie it's one of those rare movies that was ahead of its time in a lot of ways it also looks like it cost lots of money when it didn't he was working on a really low budget and I don't know. It's just something about it that is so iconic about zombies and the the way they portray the zombies, the way they portray what's going on. Yeah, it's a great one. I really like that's, that's I gave it. I gave it five stars, favorite. which is rare yeah. for me. <laughs> that's I'm jealous. So it was it released in theaters nationwide or just locally? Yeah, I mean it was at every Regal apparently. Maybe not every Regal, but there was one Regal near us that was playing it. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. yeah. So that was that's the rare five star movie. I don't think I've given a movie five stars since I've seen RRR, which you still have to watch. <laughs> I, I watched it. I watched it. Oh, you did watch it. it. Okay, yes, good, yeah. good. Okay, yeah. was, is it five star for you? Don't, I don't know if it's a five star, but it's okay. a four star, four and a half star. Maybe. Okay, it's, okay. It's I'll great. Take it. It, I'll take it. It's great. I see all the buzz about it. But I have things, okay. and thoughts, but okay. <laughs> Um, but the other three 3D movies that they played uh, were Friday 13th Part 3, Jaws 3D, and Amityville 3D. All of which are two-star movies, <laughs> but they were <laughs> they were fun to see in the theater in the 3D. And I love how gimmicky they were. You know, Dawn of the Dead is not gimmicky because it wasn't made in 3D, but these were definitely gimmicky. People were doing yo-yos at the screen, and, you know, everybody was always, like, had a long thing that they were pointing right towards the camera like for weird reasons <laughs> it's like a fireplace poker or something right yeah exactly there was around. a fireplace poker some guy knocked down a pole that was holding down up laundry and the only excuse 
was so that he could pick it up, hold it towards the camera and stand <laughs> it back up. You know, dumb things like that. But it was, it was fun. It was a good show. Didn't, did we see Friday the 13th 3D at, um, at one of the other first 3D exhumed shows? Did they show it before? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, this was not the first time I've seen it in 3D in 35 millimeters. So, okay. yeah, they played it at one of those early shows. Remember, they played some Hong Kong Hong oh, Kong yes. martial arts movie with those horses. Yes, <laughs> it were... was great. Yeah, I, I can't remember what it was called. Yeah, it was so much fun. That was definitely a fun one. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna talk about one more new movie that I've seen. I I got to see the Banshees of Inisherin, the new Martin McDonough movie. Um, starring Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. That's a oh, right. they, that trio that did In Bruges, and I loved In Bruges, just like this right mix of like comedy and drama. This one is definitely kind of up that alley, very much more understated and, and quiet because that's kind of where these characters live on this very quiet, uh, out of the way island in Ireland. Um, and it's about their two friends. One of them says, I don't want to be your friend anymore and doesn't really give any good reason. And on islands like this where everybody knows everybody's business, it kind of starts to slowly boil over into something much bigger. It's funny. There's a lot to think about. It's got a really cool performance by Barry Keegan, who's just like a weird little kid. And now he's a weird adult <laughs> in every movie. So, yeah, it's a good one. Uh, I don't know how I feel about it overall. I gave it three and a half stars. It was stuff. I wasn't quite sure if it worked all the way through, but it definitely really interesting movie. So yeah, I would recommend it. All right. So are you ready to talk about our main topic? Yeah, absolutely. Very excited to talk about Horizon anytime. Yeah. Yeah. So normally in the podcast, we would talk about one movie and then we'd individually have watched something else. But because we you know, saw so many awesome movies, we're just going to just go down the list and talk about everything at the Horathon. So yeah, every year, Exum Films, a local group of guys, they put on a show at the Colonial Theater in Phoenixville where they play 24 hours of horror movies. They don't tell us what they are. They just give us clues. And then we go in there and we sit down and we try to watch them all. Uh, and they this never year, repeat. pretty good. They yeah, they never repeat, repeat the movies. Right? So they're always new. Um, they yeah. never played them at horathons, at least, right? Right, right. And this year, yeah, they, I can't believe they're still finding movies. Every year, you and I were like, "How do they go find more movies to show?" Amazing, yeah, <laughs> yeah and the quality in which they 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 find them is amazing mm-hmm. as well. Yep, yep. I did pretty good this year. I fell asleep during half of three of them. And then I picked up and watched them later in the week. So I have watched them all completely at this point. How about you? Did you, uh, we were sitting next to each other, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a long night. So I don't remember how well you did in the staying awake <laughs> part. <laughs> it's, I, I fell asleep. I, I know that there were two movies that I fell asleep. Um, and one completely, I think I slept through the entire thing. So I have no mm. clue about that. I did not go back and watch it. So mm. when we get to that, I'll let you know. Um, and then of course I got up a couple times in between movies because I was paranoid about my, parking um <laughs> yeah downtown was just an interesting place to try to find parking so yep, um, yep. i'm gonna have some missed moments in some of these movies but that's that's fine yeah all right well let's uh jump into it they opened up with a movie called peeping tom 1960 by michael powell 
Peeping Tom is the story of a uh, sort of a cameraman's film uh, film developer who works at a movie studio who also has a side hobby of um, filming murders. <laughs> and uh, he is kind of trying to get over this this uh, issue that he's had since childhood uh, because of his weird father. And um, he sort of falls for his neighbor. And then it's about him, you know, trying to, uh, is he going to kill her? Is he not? And he's working up towards this big project as well that he's doing, which involves killing people on camera. Uh, very much a proto slasher as they described it. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed this. It's one of the top 1000, which a lot of people know I'm working on my, they shoot pictures, don't they top 1000 list. So this, this ticked off another one. I've never seen it before. Uh, yeah. Solid sort of old Hitchcockian slasher. Yeah, it was, um, it, first of all, it was a beautiful print. I remember just being astonished mm. by just the clarity mm. in the print that they showed. Um, and uh, I had, I had seen it early. So it's a criterion collection. Yes. I had seen it, um, early on when we started collecting criterion DVDs. Um, I thought I had, it. I went and looked for it the other day and I don't, so I'm not sure if I saw someone else's copy, but, um, but I didn't remember it. And this was, uh, it was engrossing just to kind of see it. I, maybe it's the movie theater crowd that, that mm-hmm. brought it. Um, but it was really interesting. Um, and uh, I, what I also found interesting was the main actor. I don't know his name, but the guy who played Mark Lewis, the character Mark Lewis, it very gave me very strong Peter Lorre vibes. Oh yeah, um, he did. He yeah, kind of has the same like that same accent. Yeah, yeah, he had a little bit of an accent. He spoke very slowly and clearly, <laughs> yes. and you know, um, that's a good that's anyway. A good yeah, I really uh, it left a, an impact on me this time around. So I, I'm glad I'm glad we saw it and glad we saw it in the theater. His name is get this. Carl Heinz Boom. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, Carl I'm Heinz. looking at his filmography. He's not done anything that I would recognize or seen <laughs> besides this. Yeah, what what I also found interesting about the character was that he was um it was yeah, there was clearly like hints that something interesting happened in his childhood that he was trying to overcome, but he was also like camera obsessed, so it's all he couldn't stop. It was a compulsive thing with the camera. But but then not only did he film murders, but he he I guess he kind of toyed around with, uh, you know, murdering people. Yeah. <laughs> that was right, interesting. Do you want to go into the second movie? Uh, can I share one other piece of trivia that I'm not sure yeah. if you knew? Um, oh, please. So in digging into this, evidently this was, um, it was a turning point for Michael Powell's career. Mm. Uh, did you read anything about this? No, no, I don't know. I mean, I've seen it, a lot of Michael Powell movies in general. I don't know where this falls. In his it was controversial. I think it was towards the end. It might have been one of his last films because um, I think the public had, they thought it was distasteful, um, maybe just simply because of the name and the time that it came out, but also because um, I think there were hints of his real life in there, his his the relationship oh. between him, him and his father. Not that any of it was true. It was fictionalized, but the public started turning on him. So I think this was one of his career ending films. Yeah. It's definitely one of his later movies and he made, made nothing of note after this besides uh, age of consent with Hanlon Mirren. 
mm. where she's naked for the entire movie. <laughs> mm. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I can see that for 1960 for sure. Yeah, sorry to linger on that one so long, but no. I just I found that interesting. No. Someone someone in the film business who's held to such high esteem, and then a movie like this kind of just ends their career was very interesting. Yeah, that is interesting considering Psycho came out the same year. I don't know if it's a British versus American thing. I don't know, but that's interesting. Yeah. All right. You want to move into the second one? Yeah. Second one was Island of Lost Souls, 1932. Wow. I am so happy they started showing old movies. Like usually they've shown like something like from the sixties would have been the oldest thing they've shown, but now mm -hmm. they're really, moving back and Island of Lost Souls is another criterion uh, starring the great Charles Lawton. The, it's a, an adaptation of the Island of Dr. Moreau and uh, it's the best one that I've seen at least. Yeah, it was great. Um, a criterion that I own and uh, I honestly not sure if I actually have seen it because once we watched it, I was like, huh, this feels very different than what I thought I owned. So maybe I, just bought, I bought it. It was one of those criteria that bought it and landed on my shelf. But uh, yeah. it was really, really fun. Another beautiful print, too, um, for something from 1932. I was kind of astonished at um, the quality. Uh, it was so clean. Um, yeah, it seemed like, and I don't know where it falls in relationship to King Kong, but it just seems like groundbreaking ideas. Right? I know mm -hmm. it's an adaptation of The Island of Dr. Moreau, but... Um, but uh, there just seemed to be something there that you don't see on film in the thirties besides something like King Kong. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. It's definitely, um, it's definitely a pre-code movie. So there's a lot of stuff that wouldn't fly uh, just like two or three years later <laughs> where they really buttoned down. I mean, you got that, the, the sexy half cat lady and you got really gruesome monsters and just the concept is such a cool concept for a uh, story and they really just you know show it on in this and i think that it it probably shocked audiences at the time for sure because even now i see you can see some of those creatures and and just kind of get the vibe of what's happening on the island and just get creeped out yeah yeah and charles lawton really he, he really embodied that character, um, mm -hmm. Dr. Moreau. I thought it was, he was creepy, sufficiently creepy. Yes. <laughs> so that was, that was a great one. Uh, the third one I was super excited about. Usually they th show a Godzilla movie in the third time slot, sometimes a, a different giant monster. And this particular year, they showed Mothra from 1961. The newest movie so far <laughs> that they've played in the horathon up to the third movie so far. And I never saw Mothra. I always wanted to because it intrigued me um, when I saw a picture of the caterpillar. I'm like, oh, so it starts as a caterpillar. That's got to be fun. <laughs> and it is. It is fun. <laughs> yeah. It's a giant killer caterpillar for most of the movie. Then it turns into a giant killer moth. And not only that, but you get this island full of like weird creatures, including these women that are only a foot tall, uh, <laughs> these fairy creatures that are stolen off the island, King Kong style, and Mothra is basically out to get them back. And they don't talk, they just sing. <laughs> it's very Until later. Yeah, like yeah, they yeah. sing for the majority of the movie and then later they actually do speak a little bit, but yeah. Yes. It's <laughs> yeah, it's so goofy. And I don't know, it played really well for me. Personally, I, I had a lot of fun watching this one. 
Yeah. Well, I, I had um, misrecognized it, I guess, when it first came on screen. I was like, oh, yeah, I've seen this movie. Um, but mm-hmm. it was Mothra versus Godzilla that I have seen, oh, uh, okay. which is similar similar in tone. But I didn't realize how how much the fairies played into this movie. So this was one of those ones where I got up and checked on my car like twice. Um, mm-hmm. So I when I came back and then there was um, – you know, there was the caterpillar. I was like, oh, "Wait a second, this is not Mothra versus Godzilla." I've <laughs> right. got, I've got this all wrong. Um, I did think that there was some good comedy relief. Like they really brought in that. What was it, the the other news reporter, um, oh, the male yeah. news reporter? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he was he was like a really good comedy addition to the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. It was it was fun. It was fun. And another really clear print. It was like the first three prints. Oh I was, yeah. My jaw was on the floor. How like, did they make this brand new for for the yeah, time? Yeah, this one especially. Yeah, this it was crazy. It's like they it was never played before. Uh, but that was a glad. I'm glad I stayed for that one. Was, usually, I fall asleep for that movie, so it was it was a good one. I'm looking forward to seeing God, Mothra vs. Godzilla now. Yes, definitely. I, oh, that was one that I I should have talked about it. That was one that I came home and immediately watched because I was okay. like I I needed to scratch that memory itch. Yeah. Um, when I got home, so yeah. Well, how's it compared to Mothra? You... It's it's the same tonally. Like it's it's okay. almost like the same movie. There's some different um different characters around the story. Uh mm-hmm. but the, the the creature effects and everything are similar in tone and um yeah. Same. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well the next movie from nineteen eighty three, directed by Tony Scott, was a movie that I've wanted to see at a horathon forever. It is called The Hunger, and I'm so <laughs> glad to have watched it in the theater. This really worked for me. I know a lot of people were lukewarm on it in our friend group. Uh, so The Hunger is basically it's a vampire story. Catherine Genuve, sexy vampire. Is it, <laughs> so, is it a vampire story? <laughs> Sorry, we're going to dig into she, it. Yeah, she kind of she has a she has her protege David Bowie, and Bowie. you know things are not going well for her protege for various reasons. So she's kind of uh, maybe on the lookout for a new one. And she may have found it in sexy doctor, Susan Sarandon, who's uh, learning about aging and how aging affects the body. And it's got Dan Hedaya as a detective trying to solve, you know, these disappearances that are happening. And, but this just looks like I, I kept saying that it was like the, total clips of the heart music video just in feature length because it's just full of like darkness and uh floating curtains and all the floating curtains yeah (laughs) striking images and just a lot of wind and a lot of backlighting and but i i don't know it looked gorgeous and i just got sucked in i loved it yeah i I, i'm excited to talk uh, about this one with you because um, I know how much you love it, and and I I can see it. I the vibe was definitely there. It was very 1983 vibe. Um, mm-hmm. When the credits, so this is one that I completely missed out on for whatever reason. I knew it existed, right? I've seen the cover a million times. I just had no interest. I think maybe like vampire movies are I'm like iffy on anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it was so when the credits rolled, and it had David Bowie and Catherine Deneuve and and. Uh, Susan Sarandon. I was like, Oh, this is awesome. And then directed by Tony Scott, which somehow I didn't know. Um, mm. I was really excited. 
but then yeah, the curtains, it's, I mean, it's, <laughs> a, it's just constant curtains, um, but also, and I said, is it a vampire movie? Like I, the style, the stylized approach, it, it's almost like it, they traded in some of the storyline because um, they never really expressively like go through the rules of what this vampire world is. They don't seem right. to ever have teeth. They seem to use some sort of onk um, mm. to slice their victim and then drink their blood that way. Right. Did, did that that is that true. Right? You're right. Yeah. You were correct. It might not, it's not a traditional vampire story and it might not be the vampire with the V, but mm. the idea is similar. Yeah. They kind of, it's towards the end, they sort of mentioned something where there's something about Egyptian gods mm-hmm. um, trying to be mortal or something like that. Hence the onk. Mm. Um, but, uh, but I, I, I took a little bit of issue with that because I couldn't really figure out what was going on. So like David Bowie, the protege was basically getting ill and he was trying to talk to Catherine Deneuve. So it sounds like mm-hmm. the master Catherine mm-hmm. Deneuve, um, her brood or her protege could die rapidly towards the end of their life cycle, but had been around yeah. for centuries potentially. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They just kind of, they'd live for a long time, but then, slowly uh at some point they just start aging rapidly deteriorating yeah 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 like within a week's time or two weeks time and he's desperate to find an answer and so anyway so here's i'll get to the crux of my issue was was um (laughs) susan sarandon's parallel story of being this doctor there's a monkey that's going through the same thing that david bowie's going through in parallel and i thought there was going to be some sort of um purpose for showing us that so for so long in the beginning of the movie but -hmm. there never seemed to be except for that Susan Sarandon might be a good fit for Catherine Deneuve. <laughs> right. Is that, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, the, yeah. So, so yeah, she, so Susan ran is a doctor and she's, they're experimenting on this monkey to cause, um, to try to cure aging. Yeah. And they, in, in their process, they instead kind of, uh, make the clock turn faster on this monkey. So it, it starts to age very fast and then in the process goes crazy and murders another monkey. And yeah. And Susan Sarandon was like, well, we, we weren't able to reverse it, but we did prove that aging is a clock and we could tamper with that clock. We could make it faster, which means someday we can make it slower and cure Mm -hmm. aging. That's kind of all it was. I don't think that it, it never really connected besides that. She's discussing age. She's working on aging process. Yeah. And it, it was, for me, it was, it was more about the mood. I mean, that monkey stuff, which is so creepy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, no, the mood was effective. And, and I think to fast forward, just to say, like, I think the ending was pretty, pretty cool. Like that. Okay. Of what it ended up happening. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if I want to spoil a 1983 movie, but um, <laughs> I thought that was interesting. So. Okay. Yeah. Good or, ending. Or, All right. Well, I guess, I guess we'll, we got an interesting out of you. So that's, I'll take it as a win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we, we'll move on to another classic from controversial director Roman Polanski, 1965, Repulsion, movie both of us have seen, I believe, previously, right? Yes, yeah, another Criterion. Yes, yeah, really leaning into Criterions this time. <laughs> so this is his first Engl- English movie, also starring Catherine Deneuve, yeah. uh, this time very young, who's a girl who uh, definitely has issues with men and... Um, slowly starts to go crazy when she's left to her own devices and killing them. It's not really a slasher like I made it sound. It's more of a psychological uh, profile of someone going slowly insane 
mm-hmm. or uh, and how, did how, what do you think of it? I, I, you know, I'll, I'll put it in the same category as the hunger. I thought it was actually a good sort of double feature in the sense that it was, it was really heavily based on the mood of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it beautifully shot. It was a nice black and white. Um, mm-hmm. but there, there were, I don't know. It just went on for too long. It went on for too long. Like it, it could have been yeah. a better short story than it was <laughs> a full feature like film. Yeah. Um, yeah. Catherine Deneuve did a fantastic job. Um, she mm-hmm. was acting, acting her face off, but, uh, but she, <laughs> but, um, it just went on way too long for me. Yeah. It definitely a little rough for the fifth movie at, at a marathon. Cause it's, it's slower paced. And I, so I, I appreciate the kind of the thematics behind this movie and the, the, you know, sh- showing a person who had something horrible happen to them and then the consequences of that. But I don't know, it felt, it always felt kind of thin to me because we're mostly just watching her go slowly insane. And I just, yeah. I just wanted a little more to this movie. The craft is there. The acting is there. It's, it's a very interesting look at, at you know, re- shifting realities is, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, but I don't know. It feels like for that length, I just needed something more. So I appreciate the movie. I just, maybe not the best time to watch it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the other couple things on my mind about it was it is weird too. like maybe in the time that Roman Plansky made it, it was it was one thing. Right. But watching mm-hmm. it now through the lens of what we know about Roman Plansky now, it mm-hmm. just it was extra uncomfortable uh, oh, yeah. based on the subject matter. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then, the, yeah, and just from some of the choices in the film, um, to your point was, you know, there was some there was some like symbolic i'll just put them in air quotes symbolic like moments that happen in the film things that are like you know like there's stuff in her water cup at the at the mm-hmm. bathroom sink that was mm-hmm. annoying her right um yeah. you think that that would have something to do with the things that happened to her the the, the horrible things that happened to her that that's why mm-hmm. it annoys her but never really they never really cover so i can't tell if i'm just too dumb to pick up on the symbolism or it was just symbolism <laughs> for symbolism's sake right like yeah, There's all those I, moments in the movie. Does that you know what I'm talking about? Like the rabbit um, and things like that. Oh yeah, the, yeah, the rabbit's one for sure. I, I was thinking more of the for what the first example. I was thinking it's more of an invasion of her space that was really mm. causing issues for her. But yeah, there's there's a lot of things like that that you really have to um, come up with your own reasons, I guess, for it to yeah. make sense. Yeah. All right, so we're up to movie number six. This was interesting because they. This is an Italian movie in Italian language with no subtitles, but they actually projected their own English subtitles on top of the print. So, like when we talk about how unique this event is and how hard it is to see some of these movies in the theater, this is a great example. Who is going to do this? You know, show an Italian language print and make their own subtitles to put on top right. of it digitally? Insane! I can't believe right. we, we're so lucky to have to be able to go to these so uh, this is from 1971 it's a lizard in women's skin by lucille fulci a it's a very giallo title they always have great titles um and this is about uh this wife of a successful lawyer she's having erotic dreams about her neighbor uh, another woman and her neighbor shows up dead after a dream in which she kills her and then you have to figure out, was she killing people 
or is this uh, is she seeing this murder through someone else's eyes and it's really a mystery for most of it but mm-hmm. it's got this cool surreal dream stuff happening um i like this one i liked it a lot it had a really neat ending which i won't spoil but uh it's just like a solid giallo through and through yeah, I, I missed about a third of this one. Um, right, mm. right, somewhere in the middle. Um, oh, and so I so it might not make sense. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, there's. I think you you kind of helped me help me figure it out because <laughs> yeah. I saw the ending, um, and I saw the opening, which was very giallo, like you said. Yeah. Uh, the whole opening was. Um, it was. It was a. From what I saw, it was fun, um, mm-hmm. but it was definitely for the time of. I don't, I don't know what time this took place. I just yeah. felt like early morning. Um, it's one of those fever dream kind of movies where there's <laughs> weird stuff happening and you're falling asleep and you're waking up and there's even stranger things happening. So it was, yeah, yeah. it was interesting. Yeah. That's one of the, the, I don't know if it's a fun thing, but it's interesting thing about Harathon is sometimes you'll fall asleep and you'll wake up and you'd be like, what is on the screen? What is happening? <laughs> it's a, like something really weird. You have no context for at all. <laughs> those are fun yeah. moments. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, this we followed by another uh, foreign film from 1971. Uh, it's a British hammer horror, Twins of Evil. Oh, I so love this, to talk one about too. this one. It was okay. awesome. Yeah, why don't you go for it? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, well, no, I, I think um, it, from what I remember, right, is it's it's this. Um, uh, what, what's the time period? It's like uh, colonial times. Yeah, I, guess. I don't know, 1800s um, or something. 1800s yeah. and. Um, Peter Cushing runs a like a, a like a religious group uh, that mm-hmm. hunts witches, and mm-hmm. his uh, he's on this mission to cleanse their lands of of all these witches in the neighborhood, whether or not they're actual witches, but they are very forceful in in, <laughs> in claiming someone's a witch and then burning them, and yes. um, and then uh, simultaneously his two nieces, right? They're his nieces, twin nieces yep. that come and live with them. Um, and in this town, right, there's also this uh, count that lives on top of the mountain. Um, right. Yes. And so one of the girls, well, actually both of the girls are interested in this count. Um, and I guess Peter Cushing has a sort of a tenuous relationship with the count, right? Yeah, they don't like each other at all. Yeah, for, for obvious reasons that become mm. quickly apparent <laughs> yes. early on, right? <laughs> after, after the, basically, there's... Uh, is he a vampire? Does he become a vampire? He, yeah, he, uh, he's kind of like a Satan worshiper trying to get eternal life. Um, like his forebearers tried to do. And he finally figures out how to do it by sacrificing somebody and turns into a vampire. Yep. Yeah. So it was interesting because it was a witch, a witch story that turns into a vampire story. Um, Yes. Peter Cushing was awesome in it. And the two women that played the twins were also Mm -hmm. really great. Yeah, they were really great too. I looked them up. They didn't really do much else. They did some like uh, sexploitation movie, and that was it. Okay. <laughs> but they, uh, yeah, they're great. They're definitely twins. They look like exactly alike. And then when you know, I'll spoil a little bit, then one of them uh, is very different than the others at some point in the movie, mm-hmm. and they play with that really well. Where you're not sure, you know, who is who at times, and you get to see them trying to trick people into thinking one of them is the other one, and yeah. It's it's dripping in atmosphere, yeah, as most Hammer Horror films are of that time period. Uh, but just a fun, solid script. 
that was yeah enjoyable yeah the set the set pieces were cool um yeah it was i don't know it was just a fun movie it kind of reminded me of um I mean, I guess what 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 year was this? Nineteen seventy one. The a more modern movie that sort of dug into these same tones was The Witch, right? Um, mm. Cool set pieces, yeah. sort of a slow story unfolding, trying to figure out who's doing what. Um, is the is the witch hunter like? Is he wrong or does he know what he's doing? Right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, the twins actually, you know, they, they reminded me a little bit of the girl, the woman who plays Eleven on Stranger Things, uh, oh, Millie yeah. Bobby Brown. They have yeah, a, they like, did have a, that look, yeah. A little bit of a look. I was like, <laughs> I couldn't shake the familiarity of their face. Uh, <laughs> Doing very different things. <laughs> yes, very different. <laughs> All right, well, here's uh, one of the movies, the first movie I fell asleep during, but I did finish it. The Church, 1989, from Michelle Salvi. Uh, the director of Della Morte Della More, a favorite right. of both of ours. Church is a kind of a spiritual sequel to Demons 1 and 2. It's about a uh, medieval church that in current day is being used as a church and sort of a, uh, a tourist attraction. But beneath the basement, there's a horrible history of demons that were murdered and um laid to rest and if this seal is ever broken they will come back to get their revenge and of course the seal is broken and then all the people trapped in the church have to deal with these demons you got the uh the cool new librarian you mm-hmm. got the uh the rest- restoration expert you have this group of school children you got like a wedding group <laughs> and all the priests and you know mayhem ensues oh yeah I, I fell asleep, unfortunately, because this is one that I've been wanting to see since Della Morte, Della More. I think it's, mm-hmm. I keep seeing it. And for whatever reason, I never watched it. So I was like, so excited, but the timing of the, the morning or the night um, mm-hmm. definitely fell asleep way too many times. And this was definitely a fever dream kind of movie when you woke mm-hmm. up and you saw the um, the main, you know, one of the main characters of the priest or whatever, suddenly like this evil, sweaty sort of <laughs> with boils on their face or something. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it was. I went back and rewatched this one specifically so we could talk about it a little bit. Which, cool. uh, in it, in the end, I'll just say it was a, a whole lot of fun. Um, I know it's supposed to be a spiritual successor to to demons, but I think um, what I read too was that he wanted this to be um, Michelle the Salvi wanted to to be like an elevated uh, mm. horror movie, so he wanted to disconnect it from the whole demons concept. But it definitely oh, okay. had those vibes. It had yeah, those vibes, yeah. and um, man, it had some crazy, creepy creature effects too right like i think it was mm-hmm. like the satan creature like the the, the goat head um yeah. monster really creepy effects like almost could have used to have it in the movie more <laughs> yeah uh, agreed um i think i, I like demons better because it i don't know it's schlockier and there's more exciting mm-hmm. um and this one i don't know it kind of pales in comparison to the that one and you saying that he was trying to make elevated, more elevated version makes sense. Um, I think for the 2 a.m. time slot, I wanted something a little schlockier. So maybe that's why it wasn't as exciting in my mind, but definitely a good movie. Yeah, no, I'm with you. It, it didn't it didn't quite go the way I think he intended, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it had some fun moments. Like you said, the, the way you described all the characters in the church, um, just that build up was like, ooh, what's going to happen? It, yeah. didn't ex- <laughs> it didn't execute as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Or the next one was definitely Shockey. Deranged from 1974, <laughs> directed by Jeff Gillen and Alan Ormsby. Alan Ormsby is the Santa Claus from uh, The Christmas Story. <laughs> A little bit of trivia. But uh, he's friends with Bob Clark, right? Like, uh, Yeah, it looks like yeah. it because they work together a lot. Uh, this is the fictionalized version of the Ed Gaines story. Just this uh, kind of uh, good natured guy, loves his mom, lives in a farmhouse. A little, <laughs> not, not great socially, but when his mom dies, things go off the rails where he digs up his, her body and brings her into his house to continue to live with her. And then um, through various uh, sh- various reasons, has to start murdering other people and keeping their bodies. <laughs> yes, and it's, yeah. the best part about this movie for me was the narrator. It's uh, this guy who just shows up on screen and talks about like the true story. And the way he shows up is he's like sitting in the set with this Ed Gain character and the camera will just pan over and he'll be there and and then like the set will freeze and he'll just start talking about like what's happening and what's going to happen. And every time that happened, it felt so out of place and ever the theater would just crack up. And I, yeah. I love that. It was, it was definitely a fun theater experience <laughs> because the, yeah, the, the, the whole response from the theater every time. And I would doze off a couple of times during this one. And that's what would wake me up is just the laughter from the crowd. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, I think, tonally, and I'm not sure if they were going for this, but tonally, there were there were just, I mean, right out of the gate, they said this was sort of an uncomfortable film. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the clue had something something along those lines. Um, so I was expecting something really uncomfortable, like some of the other movies we've seen before. But this had a, it had a comedic tone to it. Oh, yeah. This was definitely, <laughs> I was expecting something darker. This was funny. It was more funny than anything. It did have its dark moments, of course, but... The gore wasn't that disturbing. It was just, it was just goofy, really. I, I yeah. really got on the wavelength, though. I, I had a lot of fun watching it. Same. All right. Well, we're getting into the morning-ish time on the horizon. This is movie number ten, Panic, nineteen eighty-two by Tonino Ricci. I don't have much to say about this one. This was my least favorite. This is the one I fell, <laughs> I fell asleep through. This is the one I missed completely. So I have no clue what it was about. Well, I'll tell you that they warned us at the beginning that this movie would probably test our patience, and it did. I fell asleep. I finished watching it afterwards. It's just about this people experimenting on uh, some animals and some bacterias, and it goes a bit off the rails and starts infecting this entire town, which has to be quarantined by the military, blah, blah, blah. But it's so slow, and there's not much of interest in here. The creature effects aren't even very good. And uh, yeah, not worth talking about it. Panic. Okay. All right. Well, speaking of creature effects, then we should go to the next one. Oh yeah. I want to intro this one. (laughs) Oh man. I don't know if I, if I have a good, uh, well, I'll I'll try. All right. So this one is uh, seven seven S's. S's. That's why I wanted you to intro it. (laughs) It was from 1973. Uh, directed by Bernard Kowalski, and it's about a college student um, who's looking for a job. And there's a there's a doctor who uh, Doctor Stoner, which I thought was such a strange. They kept saying <laughs> yeah. that they said his name so many times during the movie, or at least it felt like it after we're so sleep deprived. Um, for as a lab assistant for his research um, that he's doing on snakes, and so as you might imagine, 
is all about snakes. It's, <laughs> yeah, sorry, and lots of live, <laughs> lots of live real snakes were in this movie too. That was like the coolest part about it. It was the live real snakes and just the conversation around snakes. I think it did a good job at like trying to bring awareness about snakes. Yes, uh, it did. It did because right. that's kind of what the doctors are doing. Besides their his evil uh, secondary purpose, but his main purpose was you know making uh, snakes more um, I guess friendly for humans is <laughs> just by educating people about them. I have to admire the actor Strother Martin. Was that the uh, the doctor? The doctor, yeah. Uh, yep, Strother Mar- Martin. Because I don't know if he's like snakes in real life, but he was handling so many snakes in this movie, like picking them up, just like doing, like feeding them and touching them. Yeah. He even gets bit by one, like for real. You can see the snake bite yeah. him, and in the movie, that was, and he doesn't, you know, bat an eye. He, he really looks like he's a snake expert. So good for him. <laughs> might be, might be. That was cool. That was cool. It was. Um, as that story unfolded about his experiments. So speaking of another experimental mm-hmm. uh, sort of doctor or whatever, the things going awry um, as that unfolded, the creature effects and things were not as impressive to me. Mm. I don't know. what do you think? Yeah, definitely. The, the big creature effects were less than impressive <laughs> and the, and it doesn't really lead to a, anything big or interesting at the end either. It kind of just, Petters out, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and for the listeners, I think um, what what we're describing is, as you might imagine, is the experiments is he's trying to figure out how to turn humans into snakes, and so yeah. he is successfully doing that with his new lab assistant. Um, and uh, yeah, it just that creature effect did not work for me. It looked like <laughs> a guy. It looked like a guy in in makeup. Uh, yeah, probably. it was a guy in makeup. Yep, and then cut to a real snake. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shocking. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we're we're talking up the snakes, but overall, it's not that great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, next movie, another old one, 1933, Supernatural by Victor Halperin. It's a ghost story. It's a woman's brother dies and she she's heiress to his fortune and a fake psychic comes along to try to get some of that fortune psychic claims he has a a message from her brother and um yeah that's basically a story until you realize that there wait there is a there is really a ghost the ghost of a murdered woman not murdered she was executed for murder yes yeah <laughs> And then she inhabit. She starts to inhabit this woman's body, and um, turns out she knew the psychic. So you can see there that the there's dynamics there between the the ghost, the ghost, and all the characters. And uh, yeah, creepy. Another pre-code horror movie. Um, this would have played much better if I was watching it at home by itself. But I still liked watching it in the theater. It was cool. It was really cool. I, I like this one a lot. I the story is a bit convoluted. Um, I, it was a yeah, little hard to I, follow. I, I I grasped it, but I couldn't tell the motivation of like the the executed murderer. Right, like you, you get that pretty mm-hmm. quick early on, and then she's executed, and um, mm-hmm. you could see the the cool ghost effect of her going and possessing the the body of the 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 Courtney, the, the, the sister, yeah, yeah. the heiress. Um, but I couldn't understand because they didn't give us a whole lot of background on the um, 
the fake psychic and this ex- executed woman. I I got that they knew each other, but there was no connection for me. Anyway, so I, yeah. I liked it a lot. The the people doing the acting, um, I think they were all fantastic. Mm. Uh, and it Carol was Lombard. again, yeah, yeah, fun ghost story, especially from something from 1933. That was a lot of fun. I just thought, um, yeah, the story was a little convoluted. Yeah, I agree. They they doled out the story, you know, throughout the movie, but I don't know. It's only sixty five minutes, and it feels like there's a lot. There's more. They could have fit. Um, they had more stuff to show than they could have in sixty five minutes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's always good to see like an older, oddball movie at in the theater, which is nice. Yeah, agreed. Next movie, a little more updated. From 1993, directed by Abel Ferrara, is Body Snatchers. Body Snatchers, man. I'm a big fan of the second Invasion of the Body Snatchers movies, the one with Donald Sutherland. Same. Uh, I like the first one as well. I read the book. I like the book. This one, I was like, man, do I need another Body Snatcher movie? Uh, This kind of takes a different tact. It takes place during at a military base. Um, and the military base is starting to get taken over by these body snatchers. And it's, I felt it was less about the whole um, paranoia, like the grand scale, small town paranoia, and more about like just the individual characters and their family units <laughs> and that, that sort of paranoia. Uh, I really liked it. It was a solid um, sort of in your face version of the story. Is this one that you yeah. managed to stay awake for? I stayed awake for it, and I I did like the I liked the um you know you could tell the time that they made this you could you could tell that this was very early nineties um, approach to remaking a classic movie right because mm-hmm. it just it had that that grittier sort of uh, let's make it military let's let's make it dark mm-hmm. I mean it was mm-hmm. it was dark pretty much throughout the oh, whole yeah. film even when it was daylight they had yeah. like orange <laughs> tinge in the sky or pink tinges. Mm-hmm. Um, I there were things that I really liked about this one, right? So I thought Meg Tilly was really uh, bringing bringing the heat with with her mm-hmm. scenes. Um, uh, I don't know. It was it was fine. It it was fun. It was cool to see a different perspective on it. I can't place the the dad, right? The dad. I, I don't know what the actor's name is, but he felt the whole time he felt like a poor man's like uh, I don't know another famous actor. Like he just he felt out of place to me. Okay. Okay. I can't, yeah, I can I'm see trying that. to look for his picture online so I can. <laughs> during the movie, the whole time I was like, he just doesn't seem right. He seems like the wrong actor for this role. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but um, no, yeah, it, it worked. It worked for me. I don't remember the the dad too much, but I just remember thinking that it was, um, yeah, I enjoyed the aesthetic. Abel Ferreira is always kind of an in your face guy, and it worked. Yeah, and the, and the main um actress uh gabriel anwar i think it was mm-hmm. um she she was really she was really like uh easy to watch in sort of this role that she was trying to figure out what's going on around her like you said with the family dynamics and everything um that that, that made it that kind of made it worth it there were some other there's some other folks that i was surprised at how little um who else was in it there was another big name in this one arlie Forrest whitaker Forrest Whitaker. oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. arlie ermy and then uh Forrest whitaker but uh, both of their roles were a little disappointing. Okay. 
Well, the next movie was not disappointing for me. Oh, I, know <laughs> I don't like know this about one. you. You love yeah. this one. Dreamscape, 1984, by Joseph Rubin, starring Dennis Quaid and Ma- Max von Sydow and Christopher Plummer and Kate Capshaw. <laughs> it's a great, like, uh, I don't know, just 80s action, fantasy, sci-fi romp. It's fast-paced, and it's a lot of fun. It's a story of this... Um, government research agency that has developed a way for people to enter each other's dreams and they can script a, someone that the doctor used to know Dennis Quaid who was part of some psychic research he had some like mild psychic powers and escaped or like not escaped but just kind of ran away from this uh facility and is now living the life of a uh you know a horse race hustler <laughs> and having fun. He's such a charismatic character. And now he's brought back into this world of uh, government research. Um, when people may be using this dream technology for uh, alternative reasons than the doctor or him want. And yeah, it's got really cool dream effects where you go inside these dreams and everything looks very dreamlike. And there's a lot of claymation sometimes and a lot of creatures and, uh, he goes into this boy's nightmare to cure the boy of his nightmare, and it's uh, it's 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 just so much fun, and it flies by for me at least. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I, I can see why this. It's it's funny. Like, there's another kind of movie that you seem to like, and this is very much like that altered states kind of um, uh, yeah. flick, where <laughs> it's like it's the it's the what is in people's brains if you were to travel and and journey into them, which was fun. Um, I feel mm-hmm. like I just saw this movie maybe like a year ago or something on Netflix. Yeah, we watched uh, yeah. it for, our, for both of us watched it for part of our horathon. Oh, uh, is that what it was? Okay, our at home horathon. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because I was like, it's pretty fresh in my my mind, but um, yeah. no, it was good. I did I did doze off a couple times because of that. Um, but yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of fun, a lot of cool effects. Really fun to see people's ideas of what could be in someone's brain, like or in their dreams on mm-hmm. screen that's always i'm always intrigued by that um there's a couple of shout outs too of like uh there were a couple of you know side characters that were interesting george went i loved anything that george oh, yeah, went in, so that that. Was fun. Yep. <laughs> and then david patrick kelly right the the guy that is that the guy from uh the warriors right oh, sort of yep. the evil the yep. evil um come out to play uh, yep. yeah dennis quaid's rival in the brains yep. And then the last thing I wanted to say, um, thinking about this right now, and I'm just coming up with this, so bear with me, is uh, the the thing that was haunting the boys' dreams, right? Um, is, was that from Snake Man? Was that yeah? Was that <laughs> is that the, is that the, the lab technician from? Oh, I didn't even think about that, but yeah, he maybe maybe it was influenced. Oh, that's yeah, hilarious. He came back in later movies. <laughs> anyway, fun. Yeah, rec- recommended. Seal of approval. <laughs> All right, we're up to the last one. This was a sort of famous in our little friend group from 2005, The Descent by Neil Marshall. I think you and I were fans of this when it came out, and Eric is notoriously hates this movie, and so much so that he wrote a parody script of this movie because he <laughs> thought it was so dumb. <laughs> I like it. I think... The script's fine about a bunch of girls get stuck in a cave and have to deal with uh, cave creatures that are killing them. But the practical effects and the blood-soaked uh, gore and red lighting in this movie is just off the charts. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I um in on this watch, I I realized what my issues w- with this film are. Um, but it is, it was a fun, it's definitely a crowd pleaser, especially when the action really starts to get, um, mm-hmm. you know, go to 11. I, my, my issues with it, which are minor, I think, but, mm-hmm. um, I just felt like the opening of the movie with the whole storyline, the whole storyline of the, um, you know, the, the one woman is cheating on the other woman or cheating with her other friend's husband. Um, mm-hmm. and they, they heavily hinted that before, devastation and death of the the husband and child um yes. and then you know one year later it's like this whole subplot of this relationship thing just seemed weird i guess it was just to give us two main characters while we're watching this group of women go through this this cave um mm-hmm. to give us an extra bit of like what's going to happen to these two characters yeah um, a bit and of to drama. Distinguish them. yeah it just seemed it seemed forced and then also the stupid decisions of like leaving the book behind and trying to take this group of women to caves unknown. Um, <laughs> right. But it also, that does add to the claustrophobia of it all, which is my probably my favorite part about the whole movie, just the claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. Oof. It's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're, if you have claustrophobia, maybe not the movie for you. I agree with what you're saying. The script uh, definitely feels like it was unneeded, uh, but it's overshadowed by the, cool gore and creatures and action. So it was fine. Yeah. For me. Yeah. And it's, it, I will give it to on a positive note. I'll say like, it's just unique to have like a, an all female cast in this mm-hmm. kind of movie where uh, at the time, especially it just was a sort of a rarity. So I thought that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Well, we did it. We, we finished talking about the Harthon. We finished uh, watching it and then talking about it. So thank you so much for going on that journey with me. That was fun. No, thank you. I, it's my, it's one of my favorite days of the year and uh, I look forward to it every year, but then trying to sit back and digest all of what we just went through is always mm. fun and then to talk about it and record it on a podcast is even better. Great. Great. All right. Well, we'll, we'll have you back next year or hopefully sooner to uh, talk about more yeah. movies. But in the meantime, you have to pick a movie for Eric and I to watch. Normally, we would roll a die at this point and randomly pick a movie off the list. But we are giving you the privilege, the privilege to choose our fate, pick a movie for us to watch, and then we will watch that movie, and then we will each watch another movie inspired by it. So go easy on us. Don't pick one of the horrible ones that Eric put on this list. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know which ones those are. They all look so... (laughs) Uh, so I, yeah, I, I thought I had one, but now I'm going to, I think I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to go for it because I want to, I want you guys to have fun. Um, okay. and so we're going to go with blind fury, blind fury. Okay. Blind fury. That, yeah, Rucker uh, I mean, Rucker Hauer as a blind Kung Fu man. That's what I remember. I don't know much else about this movie. Uh, blind Vietnam vet trained as a sword fighter comes to America and helps to rescue the son of a fellow soldier directed by Philip Noyce. All right. Excellent. Rucker Hauer can't go wrong. Right. We will let you know how well it goes next episode. Okay. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I guess that's it. We should bring the episode to a close. Uh, my name is Patrick. You can follow me on Letterboxd under Long Monkey. I put a Letterboxd list for people to recommend movies for me. So uh, 
comment some movies. I saw you put one on there. Thank you. I did. I will be watching that eventually and talking about it on the podcast. Um, and you should check out my other projects at proleary.com. Ed, is there anything you would like to plug? Uh, nope. Just um, this podcast and uh, all your stuff. I'll echo everything. All right. Excellent. Well, thank you for being a guest. It was great to talk. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And everyone, have a good night and sweet dreams.